Welcome to the Deep Bass Podcast, where we take a hard look at the element that makes or breaks games, the music. I'm Peter Thomas, and I'm joined by my co-host, Cody Haltom. We are happy to have you along with us on our journey through Pokemon Black 2 and White 2. What's going on, Cody? Peter, I have so many questions about this <laughs> in this game, man. You doing all right? I'm good, man. It's been a busy week. As you know, I was pretty much last minute getting all this stuff together. So it was a little tough, but I did squeeze it in 120 tracks in what, 12 hours or something like that. It was, it was pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. I had my listen before you did and I saw you struggle with it like all day. <laughs> it was interesting though, to kind of watch your process as you were editing out uh, what eventually became your list though. Yeah, when it comes to Pokemon games, it's tough for me because if you've listened to one soundtrack outside of the generational differences in the sound chip, you've really listened to them all. They all keep a very general vibe. I admit this one's definitely a little more, I don't want to say eccentric, but it's different than most, but it still carries the same essence as most Pokemon games. So it's like, I was listening to it and in most of our list, we talk about how we have a hard time paring it down to just five. And for me, I almost had a hard time picking five. It was, it was tough. I didn't have that problem. I have had that problem with other games, but not this one. This soundtrack was a lot better than mm -hmm. I had anticipated going in. Having said that, I never want to listen to this again. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel. It's like, I love the Pokemon soundtracks. I think that they're worth listening to regardless. And even this, this was a good soundtrack, period. But that's all it is. It's just good. There's nothing really outstanding about it to me that would make it something I would put on my Spotify and keep and listen to it every couple of months or something like that. You won't see me throwing this back on to listen to again. Like I've listened to it. I've written up my notes. I've put my list together, got some stuff to talk about. And that's it. Like this, this dies at the end of this hour and a half or whatever it ends up being. Let's hope it's not that long because God, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's better than what I thought. And originally some people know this, but we were going to do Pokemon gold first mm -hmm. and the community ended up wanting to hear this one. so here we are. And I remember listening to gold and being like, no, I no. there's no way I could come up with five tracks to talk about just based off the sound chip at the time. So whenever this kind of came on, it was not what I was expecting, but also exactly what I was expecting. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Full disclosure for everybody listening. I have played Pokemon white version, but I did not play black two or white two. And I'll get into why a little bit whenever we get into my history for these games. So my knowledge and experience of the game is based on the first version of White that came out. That was the one I did end up getting to play. So I'm kind of flying into this a little bit blind. I am going to do my best to talk about things based on what I can from the original game. From what I understand, the two of them are, they're pretty close. There's a few extra things that they threw into the version twos of these games. I forget. Did you say you did or did not play these before? I did not. So I was going in completely blind. I didn't even know track names because I was listening to this in my car. So yeah. as I was listening, I would write down like what track number I was on to go back to listen to, you know, again, just to take notes and that kind of thing. But right. no, I have completely no context. Okay, cool. 
let's talk about the game history itself and then we'll give everybody kind of a, a little history of, of our experiences with it. Sounds good. Pokemon Black version 2 and Pokemon White version 2 are 2012 role-playing video games developed by Game Freak, published by the Pokemon Company and Nintendo for the Nintendo DS. Part of the fifth generation of the Pokemon video game series, the games are direct sequels to Pokemon Black and Pokemon White, being the first sequels in the series. They were first released in Japan in June 2012, with a worldwide release following in October 2012. Black 2 and White 2 follow a Pokemon trainer's journey to become the Pokemon champion of Unova, a region loosely modeled after New York City, two years after the Mm -hmm. events of Black and White. Following the events of its predecessors, the criminal organization Team Plasma have come back as Neo Team Plasma, and the player must thwart their plans throughout the story, stopping them from ruling the world. That's a pretty standard staple across most Pokemon games. The games also include new features such as the key system, hidden grottos, new cities, and newly available Pokemon. Pokemon Black 2 and White 2 background music contains the music of Pokemon Black and White and adds brand new tracks and utilizes the arrangements of most tracks from the Pokemon Black and White games. This soundtrack was composed by Go Ichinose, Hitomi Sato, and Teruo Taniguchi. And I hope I pronounced those right. I'm sure you did. So there's a few things that I wanted to note about these particular games and what kind of made them stand out is these were the third games that came out on the DS. Well, I should say the third set of games. So the first set was Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum. That was all Gen 4. Then they did Black and White, and then they did Black 2 and White 2. So In Black and White and Black 2 and White 2, there were a few things that made this game a little different than what we were used to from most Pokemon games. So they added in a lot of different kinds of rendering. So the game does not play completely top down like it used to in the first four generations of games. It actually changes the camera angle around quite a bit and uses some 3D buildings and things like that so you kind of feel like you're in this living breathing city it's like the the very first steps towards like a 3d game that they were putting together and for the ds hardware it was pretty impressive that was one thing i remember noting quite a bit was how good a lot of these cities were i heard you make a noise whenever i talked about the fact that this was modeled after new york city were you unaware Oh, yeah, completely. I know nothing about this. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so the first four games were loosely based off of various cities in Japan, and they kind of have a Japanese aesthetic to them, specifically Generation 2. That was like very heavy Japanese look to it. But yeah, this one, they have a lot of big, tall skyscrapers, which they don't typically have in these games. They have this giant bridge that I suppose is supposed to be the Manhattan bridge or something Mm -hmm. along those lines, a couple of different things like that. The other thing that was brand new to this game was this is the first time that the Pokemon sprites were fully visible from head to toe and they were completely animated. So throughout the entire battle, they actually move. So basically it's just trying to take advantage of the new hardware. So it wasn't new hardware. I mean, I guess a little bit, because I think at this point the DSi was out. So there was a little bump in power. Okay. 
but it wasn't new hardware per se. I think it was just more of them trying new things and having a strong foundation of the hardware and knowing what its capabilities were. Yeah, and I think that's what I meant by that because, you know, we talked a couple episodes ago about games at the beginning of a console's launch versus at the end. Yes. You know, and you mentioned that this was like three gens in. You got to think that for those first, at least one, maybe two, they were developing on, you know, just a model kit. They didn't know what the machine could actually do. And so now they're like fine tuning it. One of the questions I had was because you said you played the first one, right? Yes. Pokemon stories are all pretty much copy and paste. Did the story warrant getting a actual sequel? No. (laughs) So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about in this whole thing. So I've never really skipped a whole lot of Pokemon games. I missed out on Gen 3, and I talk about that a little bit actually later with one of my song picks, but I didn't touch Gen 3 at all. And then when these games came out, I remember thinking to myself, this really feels like a cash grab because it's essentially the same game with some added Pokemon that you can capture new mini games and like a couple of new areas and things like that. This is like, I say it's a cash grab, but I say that loosely. I'm sure this would be the the difference between if this was like a, a downloadable software or something, this would be like a DLC. That was really what it seemed like to me. Again, coming from somebody who has not played it, Maybe I'm speaking ignorantly about it and maybe it was worth having as well. But as far as, I mean, literally the organization that you fight against is Team Plasma in the first one and then it's Neo Team Plasma. I mean, that should speak volumes for what to expect. Yeah. Whenever I discovered this game through, you know, the people recommending us to cover it, I thought, why not just make it a new color or a new element because like we said, there's a gold diamond, silver, you know, platinum. So to have it be like the same area I thought was interesting. And my mind immediately went to final fantasy 10 too, you know, because at the end of 10, the story does wrap up conclusively, but there's that little post credit, you know, what do we see there is Titus there? Is he not? And that kind of seemed a bit more warranted to get a sequel like that at least in you know franchises where it's boom the next game boom the next game so yeah i was just curious if as to if there was a legit reason why but i assume you know pokemon's pokemon you played one you basically played them all yeah i mean to be fair it was a long time ago when i played white but i don't remember any pokemon games ever leaving on a cliffhanger everything is very cut and dry in those games you know you go through your eight gyms you fight the elite four You become the champion. There's maybe one or two extra dungeons at the end, but nothing has ever left me hanging in a Pokemon game where I'm like, man, I can't wait for the next one because I can't wait to see what the story is going to be because it's always different, right? Every generation comes out and it's something new. I think you made a point about why didn't they do like a third game that was another color. I actually read something about why the developers chose to go that route. So in black and white, There is a large play on opposites throughout the game. So stuff that happens in black or opposite of what happens in white, a lot of different things like that. So theoretically, the third game that would have been like a all-inclusive game, so to speak, 
would have been the gray version, right? That would have been the third game that came out. And I crapped on this saying that this felt like a cash grab because it doesn't feel like how diamond feels to gold and silver or how yellow felt to red and blue. To me, it was like Ruby and Sapphire, for example, they were the two opposite games. You played them, traded with your friends and everything like that. And then the Emerald version comes out and that's kind of like a definitive edition to me because it has a mixture of both for each of the other two games and also has a few exclusive things to go with it. And that's all fine and dandy. But releasing two definitive versions, if that's what they were aiming for, it just seemed like a lot to me. Yeah, I'm going to take your word on it because you know this series way better than I do. But based off my knowledge of Pokemon and what I've played of it, I would have to agree. Pokemon is a cash cow. You put Pokemon in the title of pretty much anything and it's going to sell regardless of what it is. So I don't see the reason why they don't need to have a quote unquote cash grab type game. Yeah. When they are making, you know, billions of dollars off this property. Yeah. Those later versions of the games, they, to me, seem like they appealed to two sets of people. You know, I mean, obviously the hardcore fans are going to pick them up because they want another way to be able to get all of the Pokemon to fill out their Pokedex or what have you. The other piece is if you happen to miss the first set of games in that generation, this is a good way to jump in. But for these games, again, aside from a few mini games that are different and things like that, they're wholly the same game. And I don't know, it was just a weird thing. And I feel weird talking about it because of the fact that I'm okay with the ones that they've done beforehand, but these ones felt a lot, I don't know. More in your face. Yeah, yeah, desperate. That's a good word for it. Well, it might have been. We don't know. We weren't there. So (laughs) it is weird for us to kind of judge it. But, you know, not having been in the room or, I mean, I guess we would have been old enough. We were, I think, in college or after high school whenever this came out, judging Mm -hmm. by the year. So, yeah, that checks out. Yeah. So all that being said, these games fit the bill for being solid Pokemon games whether you play the original black and white or you play the version two iterations of them. But there's just an interesting bit about it. I feel like you, if you play the first version or you play the second version, you'll get wholly a similar experience and the need for both is probably unwarranted. But I digress. We're here to talk more about the soundtrack, but I do want to hear more about your history I know you don't have much of one with these versions. Did you play the original black and white or none of them? None of them. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about it. I'm going to tell you about my experience with Pokemon in general, which I, like I said, I think made me around 10 and it was a game that when it came out, it was huge as a kid being an adult gamer. I don't know if I would have known how big it was, but as a kid, Oh my God, it was all over the place. So my friends had the game and naturally I wanted it. So like you do, hey, mom, dad, birthday's coming up. I want Pokemon. I didn't even have a Game Boy at the time. I I don't even own a Game Boy to this day, like an original brick. So my birthday came around and it was one of the most epic birthdays I ever had as a kid because I got a bunch of baseball cards. Yes, I was into baseball at one point. And then 
I got a Game Boy Color, Pokemon Red, Pokemon Blue, and tickets to a Braves game. So holy cow, I was the happiest kid in the world. You know, I just wanted Pokemon Red, but I got Blue too. Every morning before school, I would watch the cartoon while I ate, and then I would go play Donkey Kong, you know, in the other room while I waited for the bus. That was the last Pokemon game that I really, really, really got into. I think it was just because of my age range. As much as I loved playing games, I wanted to play my console games a whole lot more than my handheld. You know, I just wasn't as attached to it. For years and years and years, I was like, I want a console Pokemon game. One came out, still haven't bought it. It's just not, as an adult, a game that necessarily appeals to me. But having said that, I still play Pokemon Go to this day. <laughs> I think we all do, man. That I don't know that that'll ever go away. It's just really accessible and a very simple concept where you don't have to deal with the battling piece. So, yeah, I mean, it's always going to be around, I think. I remember when that game came out, I was visiting a friend who lives in Tennessee And that was the closest thing I've experienced to world peace. Like we were at this random church because it had a walking trail that went around it. Because back in the day, like Pokestops, they were hard to find, you know, nowhere near as plentiful as they are today. And this trail had like 10 of them. And there were like literally hundreds of people just walking around this thing, all playing Pokemon Go. We're having a blast. And all of a sudden there's this big, you know, souped up truck with the big tires and everything what's it doing is playing the pokemon theme song just driving through the parking lot on full blast that's amazing (laughs) it was the greatest thing because like you see this truck and you're not expecting to hear pokemon big black truck giant tires and all of a sudden it's just blaring the theme song and everyone is singing everyone knows the words to that song (laughs) so yeah that was a awesome time before it eventually died down and now you just have the hardcore players and the casuals like myself right I remember the early days of Pogo and not to go on too much of a tangent, but I remember how difficult it was to find things and every single feature, even to this day, every new feature that they release, I swear to God, it is the buggiest thing you'll ever run into until a month or two goes by and they decide to fix it up. It was the weirdest thing. Yet again, the, uh, My roommate at the time, he didn't play, but I did. And I was sitting at my apartment and I ran out of Pokeballs. And I was like, ah, shit. So I peeked my head around the corner. Hey, I ran out of Pokeballs, so I'm running to the store. Do you want anything? And he's like, wait, what? Is that a real sentence? And I'm like, yeah, I just said that. That's amazing. I still enjoy Pokemon quite a bit, but it's definitely lost some of its luster for me. Some people would argue, well, you're getting older, so it makes sense. But it's not the problem for me. I really enjoyed playing Sword and Shield. And like I said, I've I've got played every generation except for Gen 3. But quite frankly, I think there's just too many Pokemon to keep tabs on. If you couple that with what they did here with this game, where they had a black and white, which were next generation of games, and then release this black two and white two. And I'm like, how do you how do you keep up with this stuff? I can't keep buying iterations of the same game over and over again and expecting to enjoy it just as much as I did for the first, especially now that I know more about Black 2 and White 2 and that they're ultimately almost the same game, I would have been really pissed (laughs) to have bought this. 
whenever I did get white one, my best friend, Brian actually got it too. And we'd go over this guy, Jake's house and we'd all play together in like his game room or whatever. We just sit on the floor, all boot up and we'd talk about our progress and things like that. And once we unlock trading, we'd swap a few while we were there and stuff. We were in college at the time. I think you were right. Uh, 2012. Yeah. About halfway through college at that point. So times like that were few and far between. So it was a really nice change of pace to be able to get together with my friends. And one of the more endearing pieces of Pokemon is being able to play those games together and trade your Pokemon back and forth, things like that. So I enjoyed it uh, quite a bit at that time. Yeah. This is a remarkably social game for what it is. And all they had to do was put trading and battles into it. But I mean, you're right. And I've had those experiences with games where my buddy and I would be on the phone before I had a cell phone and landline sitting there just talking about the current game that we're playing for like hours while we're playing it. Mom's trying to use the internet. Dad's expecting a phone call. Nope, there's me just tying up the phone line. So I do have memories like that. And anytime you have friends that are into a game with you, like at the same time, it just makes that experience of playing it so much better. I have a lot of those with uh, some of the Fallout and uh, Skyrim, not Skyrim, the uh, Elder Scrolls games. If we ever get a chance to cover Breath of Fire, I have an, a hysterical story that would fit what you just said there about having landlines and things like that. I don't want to <laughs> share it here because it is definitely specific to that game, but it, it's seriously one of the funniest things. I still to this day laugh and wonder if the people that were involved still remember it as much as I do. Ooh, put it on the list. We'll get to it. Yep, definitely. All right, man. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our list here. We'll talk about the Pokemon Black 2 and White 2 soundtrack and cover our top five. I will say that this soundtrack was different when you pull it all together and listen to it as a whole. There was a lot more being done here as far as the way the soundtrack goes. And I don't just mean for the fact that we're going from these 8-bit chiptune style tracks to these ones, which sound a little more orchestrated, but even the aesthetic that they give off is different. And I'm sure it was probably to try and match the setting of where this was supposed to be, which was more of a Western style city. And I think that's what they were aiming for. But it ended up being pleasantly surprising, like you said, to listen to and enjoy throughout the list. But why don't you uh, go ahead and start us off and let me know what your number five is. Absolutely, because I have no idea how to pronounce some of these. What is this? Asperia? Aspertia? How do you say that? No clue. Did Aspertia? Aspertia? Sure. <laughs> okay. Sure. Yeah. Go e for it. Excellent. I'm, thanks for your help, bud. <laughs> no problem. Okay, so I'm assuming this is the first city of the game based off where it is in the soundtrack. It's the first city track, so that's where I'm guessing it's coming from. When I heard this track, I was kind of stunned. This is not what I was expecting from a Pokemon soundtrack. Not to sound like I'm talking crap about older Pokemon games, but this is a legit good track. I was expecting what I heard come out of my Game Boy Color, and thank God this isn't it. Yes, this is an original track, but I love the throwbacks to the games I grew up with. They are really subtle, and if you aren't paying attention to them, you might miss them. When this track starts, it tells me this isn't the game series I grew up with, 
but an evolution of it. Maybe I'm just an idiot and should have expected all this crap, but hearing this track made me excited to hear the rest of the soundtrack. It is the first city that you start off in and where the adventure goes. So good job on that. It always helps when the soundtrack kind of lines up with it too. Yeah. It's interesting and kind of lends itself to the fact that, and I mean this with respect, of course, but the fact that you haven't played these games, at least to the extent that I have, because when I heard it, I was thinking to myself, this is a pretty standard sounding track for most of the starting cities again if we separate the fact that we're looking at a sound chip that's much different than the game boy or game boy advance it's very welcoming it's inviting and unassuming because hey you have no idea what to expect in your adventure and the game is telling you how carefree and lighthearted the player character is at this moment he or she depending on what gender you started with basically has stars in their eyes And they just became of age to explore the world, catch Pokemon, and fill out their Pokedex. And that all fits in with this track. It doesn't do anything wild and crazy. And out of the 120 tracks on this album, this one was definitely a pretty tame pick. This was very much in line with the style that you would come to know and expect from a Pokemon game. Having only played like Red, Blue, and Yellow, And I owned gold and silver, but I wasn't into gold and silver. I mean, that was a a console gap. We had the Game Boy Advance that happened in this time, and I never owned a DS personally. So I wasn't really sure what this little thing was going to be able to pump out. But listening to this track, I was like, that's a track. You're right. It is very much in line from what I remember, but I was expecting it to sound like that and i don't know why maybe because i'm an idiot it's been a long week but it was just really kind of eye-opening to me and maybe more receptive i wouldn't say that i was looking forward to the rest of the soundtrack but maybe more receptive to the tracks i was about to listen to i just want to say that it hurts my soul that you owned gold and silver and never ended up playing them because that's my favorite generation of all time and they did so many good things 
with those two games and I'm sorry. It hurts. It's, you know, I don't judge you for it because I understand your point of view. This is not one of those get off the show Cody moments. <laughs> but, <laughs> Excellent. Um, we'll pass those. For yeah. A yeah. At least for this moment. But I will live and die on the hill of Gen 2 being the best generation. And I know Poke fans all across the world will fight me on that and say it's something else. But that is the the hill I will die on. Well, I think what it was was that we talked about playing this with friends, right? And my friends being the ones who kind of got me into it. By the time this came out, that had ended. So I got them in the hype of, oh, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be just like when we had Red and Blue, but it wasn't. I don't know anybody else who had this game other than me. So that might have been part as to why I didn't play it as much as Red, Blue, and Yellow. Sure, that makes sense. All right, bud, what's number five? My number five is the longest title on the face of the planet. It is called (laughs) Victory is Right Before Your Eyes, Gym Leader's Last Pokemon. I don't know how long they've been doing this before Black and White or Black and White 2, but the idea of changing up the music for a Gym Leader's final Pokemon is such a great idea. And whoever came up with that needs a hefty promotion if they haven't already gotten it. I'm unfortunately a little too far removed from the Gen 4 and Gen 5 era to really remember if they've been doing this or how long they've been doing it, but I just really love contextual music in general. In the old days, it was always the same song throughout each gym battle. So from the start of the gym battle to the end, you were listening to the same track on loop. Getting to hear this, which has a lot of roots from the old Red, Blue, and Yellow soundtrack felt really good to hear. In this track, it feels very hopeful and inspirational, like it's physically telling you, come on, you only have one more left, you can do it. While a lot of tracks on the Black 2, White 2 soundtrack are very different from what we're used to hearing up to this point, the song feels very much like a callback to those old days. Pokemon, the gyms were everything. And I'll get more into that later. But I mean, they were a big deal to me. And they were a big deal in the game. This slight change and the importance of becoming a Pokemon master or beating a gym, that carried a weight to it. So I do like the idea 
that this track exists. I'm not as versed as you, so you would know better than me if they started doing this earlier. But I like how this track starts. It has a slow build to it that really grabs your attention, telling you, all right, this is it. You got your one shot. Don't fail now. You know, don't mess up. It's a really interesting track. Spoilers, I don't like most of these tracks. <laughs> this one was really kind of rough to listen to when... I did my first notes for this on my first pass. I wrote down, I mean, it's more battle music. And that was about it. But I do like the note that they put in there, letting you know that this was an important thing. You're changing out. You almost did it. So go ahead and knock it out of the park. It's really funny that you say that gyms were so important in the game because I've got three on my list and four battle themes total. So it's like, obviously, I'm looking at your list, and I'm judging it so hard, so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, that's the most important thing, at least in my eyes to what makes a I mean, obviously, the aesthetic of the different areas means a lot too. But nothing is more powerful than the battles. Uh, I feel like that is the bread and butter of Pokemon games. What's weird is I'm typically the one who picks a ton of battle music and I end up with like next to nothing on my list. So someone swapped us somehow for this game because we are on the opposite ends of the spectrum here. Speaking of songs that don't have any battle themes at all, what is your number four? My number four is Reversal Mountain Black. So this is going to be the one that you hear in the black version of the game and not the white. This is a track that doesn't make sense. When I first listened to this track, it transported me to the Great Wall of China, standing on it on an overcast day as fog rolled over the green mountains that surrounded me. It is just an absolutely beautiful track that is so unique and really stands out on the soundtrack. I did some research to this location in the game because I knew the theming had to be outstanding. But no. Reversal Mountain is just a boring-ass gray cave in the middle of a desert. The exact opposite of what I expected when I listened to this track. Why this song was written for this area makes zero sense to me, but I'm glad this track exists.
I did the same thing when I saw this on your list because I'm like, is Reversal Mountain where you get the legendary, you know, that is on the front of your game? It's like, no. Is it an area of some sort of significance? No. It's legitimately just another area in the game that has two, I guess, different versions based on the game that you got. And I think at some point, they either talk about Heatran in it or you can catch Heatran in it or something like that, who they consider a legendary, I believe, but to me doesn't really feel like a legendary or never felt like a legendary. So I don't know. I was very curious to hear why you put this one on here because personally, I like the white version better and this is no bias, you know, because I played the white version or anything like that because I barely remember it, honestly. It was just purely based on the sound. That was kind of how I vibed with it. And I'll explain why in a second. I do like the Eastern inspired sounds with the flute. And I put in a question mark, a gong plate, but it's not actually a gong plate. It's something, it sounds like it's literally hanging and you would hit it with a stick and it would make a noise like that, but it's not a gong. I I don't know what the hell it is, but all of that stuff, you know, makes it a very beautiful track. Like you said, But the reason I enjoyed the white version more is naturally the horns, but because I feel like it fits the vibe of the soundtrack as a whole. When you take all of the different tracks and how they sound, there's more of an electronic vibe to them. And the white version has that. And the black version, to me, feels like it belongs more in the first two generations of games, maybe two specifically, but it felt a little out of place for me. So it's not that I hated the song. It's not like I hated your pick. Nothing like that. It was just more like the black version sounds out of place given the entirety of the soundtrack. When I did my first pass, hand to God, this is true. I got to my version, the black version. And I said, I love this. And then I got to the white one because it was right, you know, right after it. And my note literally says, God damn it, don't make me choose. This one is better. So I do, (laughs) by the end of it, I was like, this one is better. So I do agree with you. It is the track of the two that I would prefer to listen to, like on Spotify, but it didn't transport me the way that this one did. This one is just a bit more distinct with its Eastern influences. It's still there in the white version. Don't get me wrong. But the horns that are there kind of take away from that, I feel, and didn't transport me the way that the black version did. So that's the only reason why it's on my list. I do like them both, but I do acknowledge that of the two that I would rather listen to, it would be the white. Yep. I agree fully with that. The black version of the reversal mountain sounds far more transformative. And as far as like, if you were just listening to the soundtrack and closing your eyes, it would actually take you to a a location White version doesn't do that at all. No, and that's the reason why this one got put because the other one, gotta say, people go listen to it. Just go listen to the white version so you can see what we're talking about here because I do really like both of these tracks. But yeah, that's the reason why this one got put at number four. All right, Peter, what is number four for you? Number four is the Kanto Gym Leader Battle. I figured you would appreciate this one since that's the game that you are familiar with. But um, speaking of callbacks to the old days, 
would my list be a list at all without throwing a quote unquote retro song on here? (laughs) I do put retro in quotes because yes, it is recycled from the first generation of games. But the reason that this actually made it onto my list is because it is completely redone for this game and it sounds damn good. The first game has some of the most memorable tracks to me, so it immediately has bonus points there. But hearing it pulled out of its 8-bit roots and into something more modern just really stuck hard with me. There are definitely a few moments of what sounds to be like the old school track that's kind of laced in it a little bit, but it's just barely noticeable, and it's certainly not a direct one-to-one pull from the OG games. do this is pokemon right when i think of these games it's a version the og version of this that i remember that i recall now i do have a question so basically i know that like the pokemon world tournament is kind of a thing in this game because there are tracks listed as such but are we literally fighting the hero the protagonist from those games not a clue (laughs) I, i honestly have no idea who you fight for this particular track to show up. Yeah, no clue. I couldn't even, I, I couldn't even venture like the wildest of guesses. Because I mean, we have one for each region, right? So I think that would make sense. I want that to be the case because if so, that would be so cool. Let's call him Ash because of the cartoon. Like if you get to fight Ash, like, oh my God, that would be so cool. And then to do it for each of the subsequent regions, that would be I would have nerded out at that point because that would be really cool. I do like this track. Do they add vocals to this, by the way? Because at certain points, it sounds like there's like a little bum kind of sound underneath there at certain parts. Did you pick up on that? I didn't, but I wouldn't be surprised because I forgot to mention this when I talked about the things that were new. But this soundtrack is one of the first ones I remember where they put vocals in a game at all. They actually have a Vocaloid style track where somebody is literally singing in parts of it where they're either counting down or spelling out this Dojar word, D-O-G-A-R-S or something. I don't know. 
it was really bizarre and strange to me, but they had some vocals in it. So I would not be surprised if you did hear that. Oh God, there's one for one of the gyms. I was like, why? Yeah, that was the one with the countdown. I remember that. God, like I heard that and I was just like, what the hell? You could do so much with this and you guys did this. Okay, that's fine. At least here, if it is what I'm thinking it is, it's used in a way to actually help the track and make it better. So yeah, this was a nice classic throwback for sure. Yeah, I mean, if we're thinking about the other games, I mean, it's not uncommon for Pokemon to throw in old gym leaders just randomly showing up here and there in various ways. So Red has made his appearance on more than one occasion. Red, that's his name. Yeah, I go with Red just because that's what they do it in the games. Ash is a very localized North American thing for the anime alone, I believe. But I wouldn't be surprised that that's who it is if it's the player character from each of the games. Because you're right, they had one for Kanto, Jodo, mm-hmm. Sinnoh, and whatever the fourth one is called. No, the we fourth are one experts is experts in our field. <laughs> yeah, Sinnoh, I think, is actually the fourth one. I the third one is the one I can't remember. Hoenn, that's it. Got it. See, sure. I, I knew sure. it. Yeah, I know. You you would just agree regardless. I could have said potato and you'd have been like, yep. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. You nailed it. Good job, man. Proud of you for pulling that one out. All right. For completely random reasons, Peter, why don't you tell me about your number three? Because I can't get enough of this fantastic list of yours. Yeah, I'm just mixing it up all over the place. I mean, it's I don't blame you, man. My number three is Castalia Gym. I've been playing Pokemon games a long time. And I don't remember a single gym sounding quite as unique as this one does. I'm going to call it percussion because it sounds like that's what it is, but I have no idea what instruments they're using to keep the beat of the song. But that beat is so damn funky. All of the gym songs have this general theme that they use, similar to what we've seen in a lot of games. You know, they have one theme and they just kind of remix it. They call that leitmotif. But this version of that theme is by far one of the best renditions I've ever heard to date. It makes me sad that I don't remember this because I'm certainly not going to forget it now. It's by far one of the most charming versions I've heard inside of a gym. Thank you. 
this is a track you must listen to with headphones on. I cannot stress that enough. The track really plays with your head with what it does with the stereo. And I think it's really well done. I think you summed up the track really well, calling it funky, but it's oddly subdued too, which I appreciate. This is a very unique gym track. I don't necessarily know what the instruments are either, but all I know is that this track, when I heard it, it made me feel like I was floating in space and I don't know why. Yeah, I could definitely see that. It's definitely a more floaty, dreamlike version. Ethereal, just kind of. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm going to talk about it a little bit with a different track that we have on the list here. But all of these gyms are typically themed after the typing that they have within them. So Mm. if I hear this, and I could be completely wrong because I did not look this one up, but I would think more of like a psychic or a ghost, something along those lines. Maybe I could see that. Yeah, maybe even ice, maybe. I think if it wasn't Pokemon, I would say ice. Absolutely. Yeah. But because it is Pokemon and we got like fairy type, dragon type, there's so many different variations that suit this better than ice to me. So honestly... I mean, obviously, I don't know. I haven't played the damn game, but that's just my take on it. I think they would go with something else before they got to ice. So quick Google search uh, proven that we are both wrong. (laughs) Oh, shit. What is it? Bug type. I don't know how they got bug type. I don't know, man. Not a clue. No. (laughs) I know. It does not sound like it matches a bug type at all. Man, screw the soundtrack. (laughs) (laughs) I looked it up and I saw a bug type. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, I know we're wrong typically in most scenarios on this, but this, I'm saying the game is wrong. (laughs) We're in the right. They're in the wrong. Because, I mean, it can be done. I know you haven't played it, but I have. And you can get bugs. You can make a track that sounds like bugs. And this is a soundtrack that I want to cover later, which is a... Marvel Spider-Man and that came out on the PlayStation 4. Listening to that initial theme instantly tells you it's a Spider-Man game. And I know Spider-Man and spiders, you know, and bugs are different. But what I'm saying is that you can do it. You can compose it to make it sound more like what it's supposed to be. So between Reversal Mountain Black and however the hell you say that Jim named Jim, they just don't know how to, what they're doing when it comes to writing the music for this and putting it, it, it where they do, I guess. Either that or they just compose the whole set of songs and they're like, here you go. Here's the whole set we have. Use what you want. And Nintendo and the Pokemon company were like, we'll use them all. Yeah, at 120 tracks, they did. And we keep saying it's 120 tracks. Keep in mind that it's 120 tracks, but the last one is a collection of random noises. So it could have been much, much, much longer. That it could have been. All right, Cody, I thought your number three had changed last minute, but I was wrong. So tell me about your number three. I'm so glad you were recording when you said that you were wrong. That's going to live on. (laughs) My number three is White Tree Hollow. This track wastes absolutely no time and is charming from the start. This track is all flute, piano, and upright bass, and I am more than okay with that. While I love tracks that build up to some sort of epicness, this doesn't do that at all. Something I like about this track is that the instruments being used each get a moment to shine and rotate throughout the song. My favorite part of the track is at 1 minute 39 seconds when the violin gets a moment to shine. This isn't a long track, 
but it doesn't need to be for a game like this. This is just a delight to listen to. this track it changes because I don't really look at your list until I'm done with mine just so that I'm not biased or influenced in any way and I had thrown this this is on my list this is my number two and I'd thrown it on my list and I looked away from the spreadsheet for a bit and looked back and I'm like oh Cody changed his number three to this one because he probably heard it when he was doing counter notes or what have you and liked it and wanted to add it onto his list, which is not uncommon. That's happened before, but just goes to show when there's certain songs that we duplicate on like this one, it is truly unintentional. It is just, we both heard the song, enjoyed it so much and threw it on our list. White tree hollow is very much out of the standard Pokemon realm almost sounding like it belongs in Phoenix Wright if you've ever played those games. When it came on, it just made me really happy. Like you said, there's no buildup. This song really just starts and it's mm. in it's a 10 right off the bat. I was actually so curious about this particular track that I went on YouTube and looked up some gameplay of this specific area, but I couldn't tell if this was a post-game dungeon only specific to white two or what, because if you go to YouTube and look up any content from any areas of black and white, it's almost all content from black and white two. And I don't know why that is, but whatever this dungeon is, it has a hella good song to it. There is a lot to it. And I could speak to all the instruments and the like, but the best part about the song to me is the feeling. So hopefully you were able to grab that when you listen to it, because you need to just, feel this song in order to understand kind of where we're coming from with this. Yeah. It, one thing about it, I don't mind that this track is short or it wastes no time getting to the point because in Pokemon games, you're constantly interrupted. Like as an adult, it would drive me wild as a kid. I didn't mind it. So you never got a chance to really listen to a dungeon theme straight through, at least not until it loops because either you were caught in a battle or a random encounter with a Pokemon would show up. 
to hear this all the way through and it be as good as it is really kind of stood out to me because you don't need to listen to it for long segments. You could listen to, you know, 30 seconds of this and understand and know that it's a good track without having to listen to all like three minutes and some change. Yeah, I agree. Like you said, when you get into any kind of battles or something interrupts the music that it does start over. So being able to just kind of jump right into it is really pleasant. All right, Cody, what is your number two? 20 bucks Another if you one. can say it right. <laughs> Man, I owe you more than 20 bucks at this point. So <laughs> because I have no idea. I think it's Opie Lucid, Jim. I don't know. A Do for you effort. Know? A for effort. I'll take it. No, I have no idea. Excellent. We're going to get roasted on this one. When I was a kid, taking on gym leaders in Pokemon was a big freaking deal. It was a challenge and not to be attempted haphazardly. Before each gym, my hands would get super sweaty, which really sucked because I was playing on my Game Boy. Saying you had beat a gym leader is a huge deal in the Pokemon games, and you earn respect and fame by beating them, and the music needs to set the stage. This track does that on a level I have never heard before. Never in my life have I heard a more perfect Pokemon gym song. It's a ton of brass just blaring in my ears. There is a version of this track in every Pokemon game, but none of them hit as hard as this one. This track carries the weight of what you're about to attempt. Hearing this track made me feel like I was a kid again, standing in front of a gym. how we both have gym songs on our list it really does go back to what we were saying before they are very important in the games and something that deserves a song that really captures the gravity of what you're about to do it, and it is hard it's hard to deny how good most of these gym songs are it's the same track but it's always redone in a way and i mentioned that the songs typically for the most part try and fit what the typing of the gym is, but obviously that's not the same for Castalia. But in this one, it is. This gym here was the last gym in the game where you go up against the dragon type trainer. For me in the white version, oh. it was Iris, but I don't remember 
who the guy's name was in black at all. You get these immediate regal vibes that come in whenever the song turns on and uh, the almost celebratory horns that make you think two things. One, you're at the final gym before you take on the elite four. So that's a huge accomplishment in and of itself. And two, dragon type Pokemon are really quite majestic. At least I think so. So this theme fits those battles so well, in my opinion, that I thought this was really fitting. As a side note to that, whenever I was looking up, because I wanted to see what the actual gym looked like. In this game, they did a really good job with making all of the gyms look different and unique. This looks like a giant pyramid. Like it is massive. And because they started using the different camera angles, they lower the camera down to almost like street level. So like as you're walking up to it, this thing is just like towering over you as you get closer to it. So it is a really cool aesthetic and very fitting for the last gym before the Elite Four. Yeah, I mean, that gym would have to make sense. I, I haven't seen it. I mean, I could look it up right now, but you got to think dragon type Pokemon, they're not small, they're dragons. So they would need the room to be able to actually fight. So that's a really pleasing aesthetic. And you actually bring up how they walk up to the gym. That made me think of my limited time with, I think it was Pokemon Y, I want to say. It was, I think it was the one that was on the 3DS because that's the one I owned how the perspective did change. So I didn't realize that they were doing that this early. I thought this was a 3DS thing. But yeah, I just really enjoyed this track. If I could listen to on repeat any gym track, this would be the one. All right, Peter, tell me about your number one. Speaking of things that I cannot pronounce, these were the Gen 3 Trio that came out and I have no clue if I'm going to say this right, but the name of my track is the Uxi Mesprit and Azelf battle. That's the best you're getting for me. <laughs> I was about to say, I want my 20 bucks back. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll just call it even on this one. All right, cool. <laughs> you know, I've been pretty open about the fact that I skipped gen three entirely. There were a lot of changes to the game that I didn't like at that time. I was very late to the Game Boy Advance game, so to speak. And after coming off of Gen 2, which did pretty much everything that I enjoyed, like being able to complete the national decks and traveling to the Gen 1 region as well, I didn't want anything to do with Gen 3. With that being said, I cannot tell you if this battle theme is similar to what it was in Gen 3. But what I can tell you is that it is completely dope in this game. Right away, you are crushed by a bass guitar that is just slapping away on this song with this crashy style percussion that I assume is not a real instrument, but more of something that's synthesized through the chip. And it's just a very exciting battle theme. If there's one thing that Pokemon does well consistently, as we've said before, it is battle themes. And this is a prime example of it. That being said, if you look at these Pokemon and see what they look like, it is not fitting for them whatsoever, but I'm not complaining for getting to have a track like this.
didn't like it. <laughs> oh, really? Sorry. No kidding. Really? No kidding. And I've never not liked one of your tracks ever. And we've been doing this almost a year. And this is one that I had to hear why you liked it. Because I'm like, okay, it's got the bass. So I know Peter loves his bass. But the rest of it, I was just like, this sounds messy. I mean, it sounds like a battle theme. Yeah, but what the hell is going on? I have no words. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, man, because I want to love your tracks all the time. But this is one that I heard it. And I know it's supposed to be for an epic moment in the game for three Pokemon to get their own dedicated battle track. That says something that says that this is supposed to be a big deal. And I'm not sure what the Pokemon look like. So you said it's not what I would expect. So what I'm expecting is, you know, like Charizard or something like that. So let me ask a question. What do these guys look like? Are they big or little? First of all, my feelings are hurt. I'm I sorry. I don't know if I can <laughs> finish. I don't know if I can finish the episode. <laughs> no, it's okay. You said that when you hear this song and when you think about what it brings to your mind, you think of something like Charizard. Exact opposite. Think of a blue, a yellow, and a red cousin to Mew. Ow. Yeah, they are small. They all kind of sort of look like aliens a little bit. And they're, I'm telling you, polar opposite. In fact, I'm going to give you a second real quick to let me, let look, me look these up. guys up. Yeah, because it's worth seeing and why I was just like, this does not fit at all. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> right. <laughs> are they built you wouldn't know you didn't play. The only way this track makes sense is if this is Mew. If it is that kind of big, bold They're not epicness. They're, but they they're the equivalent ahead. of the legendary bird trio or the legendary dog trio. So they are legendaries, don't mistake that. But right, right. they're not like the ultimate rare, like a Mewtwo or a Mew or a Celebi or something like that. They're yeah, just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I know. I know. That's why I was like so caught off guard. I'm like, I mean, I know you didn't like the song, but I was like, I love this song. I hate who this was given to. <laughs> now this makes it worse. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, he's going to hate it even more now. Why? Why? Know. Because uh, like, like I said, there is an epicness to the track, but ultimately to me, it just seemed kind of, messy and there are elements like the bass that i did enjoy and that did kind of stand out for me sure. but this wasn't on even like my short list for my finals so this was a i just swept it under the rug and i'm sorry buddy no it's okay i mean i know there's been tracks in the past where i've not been all into them speaking of let's Never talk about number your number one, one. no <laughs> i'm just kidding but we do need to talk about your number one so let's do it my number one is ending. Guess what that means? I can't even imagine. I Cody. can't imagine. <laughs> this is my first time hearing the ending of a Pokemon game because I've never beaten one. When this track started, I didn't appreciate it. It was just playing in my headphones while I was watching Twitch. As it played, I realized how special this track is and went and restarted the song. This track starts out almost like a lullaby. It's very light with some strings and some xylophone. Then there's a slight pause, 
and an organ comes in, letting me know that there's a lot more to this track than I was expecting. The track continues and combines the organ with the xylophone and is a great arrangement. It almost gives me some whole new world type vibe somehow. Then at the minute and nine second mark, they bring in good old reliable electric guitar to take it to the next level. These three main instruments then dance around each other throughout the rest of this track, and it's just so good. Despite being the longest song on the soundtrack, you never get bored listening to it. to how my list isn't my own with some sort of retro throwback song on it. Yours isn't yours without an ending theme. (laughs) But I can't knock you though. The ending themes to the games that we've covered so far have almost always been so good. And this one's no different. This has the buildup into something that solidifies, you know, the end of a journey through this newest region that we have, but apparently refreshed for the second one. I wanted to have a little more to say about it, but much like your number five, this is a pretty standard par for the course Pokemon track. It hits all of the notes, no pun intended, that you'd expect to listen, all right? It said no (laughs) pun intended, it's true. But it hits all the notes you'd expect out of an ending theme in a Pokemon world. And for that, it's a solid pick. Appreciate it. Yeah, it is good. And I did want to hear what the ending of a Pokemon game sounded like. I mean... Unless you count Pokemon's Snap, I've never beaten a Pokemon game. Not the new one, the old one. I laughed so hard when you said I had to mute myself because I didn't want to uh, interrupt. But you were like, I finally heard the ending of a theme song. And I'm like, through listening to the soundtrack. (laughs) Yes, yes. I still haven't beaten it. Not one of them. I mean, that's on brand me. I play games, but I don't beat them that often, especially now that I'm older. But yeah, I was curious as to how they would end it with a theme i mean i assume that it's all pretty much the same in game but i want to know what that theme sounded like if they did something kind of like sonic 2 or with a link to the past you know kind of like a retrospective type deal or if they did something unique and in this one they did something a bit more unique than that your discussion about this and what you've just talked about actually inspired me for a better question in the episode than the one we have I know it's not one that you can answer, but 
we'll get to that in a little bit. That is the end of our lists. I think we both kind of felt the same about this. It's like, yeah, Pokemon games have good soundtracks, but they're just good. Nothing outstanding, nothing that's going to make us write home and be like, you need to buy the soundtrack. You need to, I mean, I'm going to, it's going to burn me a little bit to buy the soundtrack just to put it into the game. It's what I typically do. If I can buy a soundtrack in a legitimate way, I'd like to support, you know, where I can but it's going to pain me to own this soundtrack because I'm just like, I liked it to listen to it for this show, but I don't ever want to really listen to it again. Yeah, no, I'm in the exact same boat and neither one of us have experience with this game. And I want to be clear, we're doing this because it was asked for. We would have covered probably a different Pokemon game, maybe the one that's on Switch, Sword and Shield, or maybe even Gold, since it's the one that you initially wanted to do. but. Like you said, Pokemon's pretty much Pokemon when it comes to what you're doing in game or over to the soundtrack. And if you like that type thing, man, I mean, this is right up your alley. But if not, then it's okay. Like you said, I also agree. I won't be listening to this again. And we'll see if and when we cover another Pokemon game, my excitement levels going into that because that's going to be a doozy. Right. Yeah. Shout out to um to Freshy and Paws who are both in the Discord for making the suggestion. That is why this game was covered as opposed to Gen 2, despite my better judgment. <laughs> but <laughs> I apologize. We didn't love it as much as you guys did. I know they were really excited about it and they both wanted us to really do this one, but I really did not jive. And you're right. It probably would have been either the newest one or Gen 2, because without any real background from your side, that's my favorite of the series. So it would have been a little more up my alley. One thing you mentioned was this being a solid Pokemon soundtrack because it is what it is. But something that I would argue and why I think that there is room for improvement for these soundtracks is because we've done sequels on this podcast at this point. So We've done three Donkey Kong games. We've done two Final Fantasies. We've done two Zeldas. And all of them have little touches, I think, save for Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong has been original with each game, period. There's not been, I don't think, any recycled songs for them. But Final Fantasy has a few recycled songs. Zelda has a few recycled songs. But they're always done in such a way that it is a very unique experience for each game. So the possibilities are there. I think Pokemon can do it. I just don't know why they don't. And I think that's the the big sticking point for me. I did beat Shield pretty recently, but I can't say I paid attention to the soundtrack too, too much. So I can't say for sure if it's still like that to this day. But I know for a fact that in these older games, this is pretty... I listen to the soundtrack and I'm like, yeah, it doesn't really stand out any more than Gen 4, than Gen 3, than Gen 2 or Gen 1. I'm going to go back to something that you said before I lost it, because you're right. We have covered sequels and you're right. The soundtracks have all been distinct. You know, there might be a couple little familiar touches, but it's been nothing like this. So I agree with you on that. But I think the reason why is that each of those sequels that we did was dramatically different than the one before it i'll even defend donkey kong because i'll admit you're just running to the right and saving whoever your partner was in the last game 
But from a mechanic standpoint, each one of those games is unique and has a unique feel to it. With every Final Fantasy, it's a different story. Legend of Zelda has made huge jumps going from 2D to 3D. With Pokemon, it's just Pokemon, you know, like and I'm not saying that to dumb it down or to belittle it. But as we said at the top, the game stays the same. Nothing is dramatically different other than the Pokemon that you encounter in the region. And that's really it. Other than that, it's pretty much the same as it was back in Gen 1. And there's too many for the love of God. Please stop putting more in. (laughs) I agree because I'm someone in Pokemon Go that I refuse to spend money on the stupid game. So I have to go put Pokemon on the gym so that they go fight so I can get some coins so I can upgrade my storage. I'm running out of room, damn it. I will tell you, and I'm now sharing this with the world, that when Pokemon Go first came out, I had a significant problem. (laughs) Okay. I have to say that between the two of us, we've probably spent at least a thousand dollars in Pokemon Go. Christ, Peter. Yeah. I mean, it, it was bad. I have no problems supporting an app if I play it enough and things like that. But this went beyond support. This was like, I need storage or out of Pokeballs or something like that. Need more. These guys got more than enough support between the two of us. We, we went ham. That makes me feel better about not spending a dime because I know that they still got supported because of you two. I supported us. I supported you and like at least five other friends who have never paid anything. So we got you covered. (laughs) Excellent. I appreciate you doing that. Just real quick. I wanted to touch about saying the whole don't make any more Pokemon. It's gotten to the point where when a new generation comes out in Go past generation three, I'd say, or past generation two, rather. So three and beyond. My wife will pull up a Pokemon that's new on the field or something. She'll say, hey, who's this? I don't even give her the real name for it anymore. I'm just like, oh, that's Gen, <laughs> that's the Gen 3 Pidgey or that's the Gen 3 Weedle or something like that because that's all it is. Not only do they rehash these games, but every single generation that they release a new set of Pokemon, save for like the legendaries, the mythical, and then maybe like a handful of Pokemon, they're all rehashes. Because the formula stays the same, they need to make sure that those types are covered. So you need your standard flying. You need your standard bug. And they do just that. And it's painful. Yeah, I just pulled it up to look at everything. I didn't realize there were as many regions as there actually are. And holy cow. When you first said that, you know, your wife would be like, who's this one? I was expecting you to say that you made up the name each time. Just look at it and see what <laughs> no. it looks like. And then just throw a name out there. And you haven't told her until like right now when she listens to the episode that you've just been BSing her this whole time. So uh, that was mildly disappointing, but also cute that you're just like, let me dumb this down. This is just Pidgey. Well, yeah, we were hardcore and playing Pokemon Go when Gen 1 came out and even through Gen 2. So that's what she knows. And now that we're playing less and less, it's just easier to say this is what it's the equivalent of as opposed to being like, here's who it is and all that stuff. So, yeah, I'll tell her who it's like, how many evolutions it has. And that's really all she needs to know. And she's good from there. <laughs> hey, I don't blame her. All right. So let's get into our question of the episode. So we had one picked out 
And I was struggling with this because I didn't really know where I wanted to go. I couldn't think of anything specific for these particular games. So I wanted to kind of go through Pokemon as a franchise. The original question I had was pretty generic and I didn't really like it. But as we talked, I had one come up and I'm like, I kind of like this because it induces a little more dialogue. And that's what I, I want with these questions. I want to be able to talk with you guys about them. But uh, our question in the episode for this one is if you were introducing someone to the Pokemon franchise, what game would you tell them to play first? And I think that's an interesting question because there's a lot of us, especially if you're an old bee like myself, been playing since Gen 1 and have played all of the major iterations. There's a lot of angles that you can kind of approach with this. And as much as I love Gen 2, that would not be the generation that I would actually introduce people to. I think it's a great game, but if you don't have that foundation from the first game, I think that it might be a little too tough for people to get into. Do you have an answer for this one, Cody, or are we just passing for you? Let me think here. Okay. Um, ultimately, it's going to be a pass, but if I had to pick based on my extremely limited knowledge, I would say yellow, but I've only played five, maybe six Pokemon games in my life. So take that with a huge grain of salt. Sure. Anything in particular about yellow that made you pick it? Or is it just kind of like a go-to? Yellow is probably my favorite game. Mm -hmm. You get to start with Pikachu. So that's always adorable. But kind of like what you said about why you like gold and silver as much. I feel like yellow was like the baby step to get to that. Yeah, there was a lot of neat features about it. One of the things I really enjoyed about Yellow is that it felt like it mirrored the anime very closely. So there was a mm. lot of things that, you know, you started with Pikachu, you got all three starters, which was unheard of at the time, and you found them in places that you found them in the anime if you had to happen to watch it. So I do feel like Yellow is very accessible. The only reason I would never recommend any Gen 1 games is because the balancing on them was atrocious. I don't know if you happen to remember Red and Blue, but the crit rate on the Red and Blue games was like 25%. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was like every fourth hit was a crit and it sucked. It made that game so hard. I think they dumbed it down in yellow by that point, but it was still very, very tough. <laughs> Nah, I never cared. I was just a dumb kid playing my Pokemon game, you know? Right, right. If I had to introduce somebody to the franchise, I actually think my pick would be X and Y. Oh. Yeah, I know. It's it's a very interesting pick uh, as far as for somebody who has played them all, you'd think it'd be an earlier one or something like that. But the reason I like X and Y so much is because A, it's incredibly accessible. I feel like it's a very easy game to pick up and go with. The tutorials in it were very straightforward and handholdy enough to get somebody through, but not too much that more experienced players felt like they were being bombarded with them. And it introduced the global trade or world trade thing. I forget what it was called. Oh, yeah. Which allowed you to be able to actually finish a Pokedex, which they haven't been able to do since Gen 2. Wasn't it like the Pokemon World Bank or something like that? I'm, I mean, it's been years, like 10 years since I played that game. But uh, So you're thinking of the external one 
that was like another application that you could use to import them from other games. What I'm talking about was actually in game. It was a, uh, oh. it was the GTS, the global trade station, I think is what it stood for. You could send a Pokemon out into this global trade station and it would just sit out there and you could tell people what you wanted for it. If you didn't have any of the previous games and you were just coming into this completely brand new, you could get every single Pokemon up to that point if somebody was willing to trade you for them. It was the only time in three or four generations at that point where I felt like, oh, they finally went back to the catchphrase, gotta catch them all. Because, gotta catch them all. Yeah, you actually can catch them all at this point. You couldn't do that in Gen 5, 4, or 3. Huh, that's interesting. I remember that being a thing. Mm-hmm. I was working at GameStop when that came out, and I remember vaguely trying to use that as a selling point because, you know, pre-orders, and it was my job. But I don't think I ever used it. But again, I wasn't super into it like i picked it up because it was gonna be my first pokemon game in such a long time since gen 2 got it had it i did not care it just wasn't a game for me anymore i remember playing it and i think i got through the first three gyms and then i just stopped i would rather play something else something on my console instead so I can't speak to it too much but i trust you on these things so i support your answer for what it's worth Thank you. I appreciate that. The only thing I would tell somebody if they were playing that game, and it's the same thing I would tell anybody playing any 3DS game, except for maybe a link between worlds, is to play Pokemon X and Y without the 3D. And the reason I say that is because much like in Gen 5, in Gen 6, all of the Pokemon is visible and animated completely. So it's moving around and things like that. When it's in 3D, the frame rate drops to like 10. And I don't know why, I have no clue, but it moves at like this crawl pace. You turn 3D off, everything is good. It moves smoothly. It's like a normal 30 frames per second Pokemon game that you would expect to see or whatever the frame rate was on the 3DS at the time. Which was low. I don't know what it was, but (laughs) it wasn't wasn't much. (laughs) But yeah, it was bad in 3D. So unless you're playing A Link Between Worlds, your 3D slider should be off anyways. I agree. Man, that thing was annoying. It was bad. Even with the eye tracking thing, not to not to get too far off base, but mm. yeah, it was bad. But if you want to answer the question of the episode, which was if you were introducing someone to the franchise, what game would you tell them to play first? You could do so on Twitter at the base podcast, or you can come over to our discord where everybody loves Cody more than they love me. And Except can- this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this week we're both going to be shit on. So. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I knew it going in. You can find our Discord at discord.deepbasepodcast.com. I almost forgot the link for a second there, as if I haven't been saying it for weeks on end. Half a year. Good times. Good times. That's it for us, guys. We are out of here. We will see you in two weeks for the next episode. Cody, as always, thank you so much for co-hosting with me and enduring this soundtrack right alongside of me, buddy. Yeah, we were in misery together on this one. That's not a lie. (laughs) And with that, we are out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one. Later. Later.